All right, it appears we are live. Sesh, are you ready? I'm ready. Maria, are you ready? Oh, yes. Well, then, let's get to it. In five, four, three, two. Hello, all you spry tubers, twitchers, and pod people out there. Welcome to the Could You Do It Better podcast, where filmmaker, gamer extraordinaire, and the behind-the-scenes awesomeness known as Sesh, and the writing and directing sensation known as Maria, discuss popular television shows and movies and answer the always controversial question of, could you do it better? Today, we will be discussing Season 1 of Ryan Condell's House of the Dragon television series based upon George R.R. R. Martin's novel, Fire and Blood. And as for me, I'm Jonathan the Intern, and unlike our two experts, have no industry experience whatsoever. In other words, I'm much like, well, Season 1 of House of the Dragon. I use exposition at will, my character is undeveloped, half my scenes are shot in the dark, and every time a viewer hears my voice, they're wondering when the next time skip is. <laughs> and now, to Sesh and Maria! Woo! Yeah, you like that? I brought it all together there. Very concise. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Season one. We watched it the whole way through. We finished it. We did each episode. But now it's time for what everybody wants to hear. Our recap. As mandated by our legal department. Oh, and yes. Spoiler warning. Uh, in this episode, of course, we'll be doing a recap of the entire first season. Uh, so, if you haven't watched the season and don't want to hear spoilers before you do, please feel free to put us on mute as you watch the episode, then re-watch our show afterwards, because that's how you double view counts. And now, on to the season one recap. We begin at episode one, where we are introduced to over 50 characters, of which at least 40 clearly have other acting gigs as they don't show up again this season. This is followed by King Viserys, not just giving a helping hand to his wife during childbirth difficulties, but multiple forearms in her split open body. Shockingly, this results in his wife's death, him naming his daughter his heir, and the mandated prophecy slash reference to the Game of Thrones, because as we all know, Winter is coming in only 157 short time skips. <laughs> <laughs> On to episode two, where King Viserys has been selected to be this season's The Bachelor. Will he choose child bride Lena Valerian, or perhaps a lady from another prominent house to strengthen his kingdom and bloodline? No. Much to the chagrin of everyone except for the viewing audience, he chooses his daughter's childhood best friend, Allison because she wore her mother's dress at her dad's urging and gave him a custom stone dragon miniature for his D&D game. Rhaenyra is pissed. In episode three, Rhaenyra sneaks off with Sir Kristen Cole on a romantic rendezvous to kill boars in the forest, while Damon engages in what everyone has been waiting for, the final battle of the three-year war of the Stepstones. Will we see incredible battle tactics? An awesome mano y mano between Damon and the crab feeder's hammer technique? The death or maiming of a few key characters that will drive future storyline? Well, I'm sure whatever it is will be awesome. Oh, it's Damon idiotically taking on the entire guerrilla army himself and killing them all, then killing the crab feeder off screen all in under five minutes. 
Okay, then. On to episode four, where Damon comes back to King's Landing with intent to show up on a Chris Hansen's How to Catch a Predator by taking his underage niece to an orgy and attempting to sexually assault her. But stops before committing full-on incest because, honestly, who knows? As such, the hot and bothered Rhaenyra jumped the bones of the first guy she sees in Sir Kristen Cole. Otto the Hand blabs to the whole kingdom about Rhaenyra's night with Damon, further fracturing Rhaenyra and Alicent's friendship, and Rhaenyra drinks a morning after tea. In episode 5, Damon kills his wife of the Vale. Rhaenyra gets betrothed to Laenor, much to Sir Criston's contempt, and Sir Criston tells Alicent that Rhaenyra and him had an illicit affair, leading her to show up late to Rhaenyra and Laenor's wedding, showing disapproval by wearing an inappropriately colored dress to upstage the bride. <laughs> oh, also Sir Criston bashes the head in of Laenor's lover. Ten years pass. <laughs> and we're in... <laughs> and we're in episode six, where we find Rhaenyra had three bastard children, Lord Commander Strong. And Alicent is peeved about it because King Viserys won't embarrass his own daughter. <laughs> so Alicent does the reasonable thing and basically commands Laris to kill his own father and brother slash Rhaenyra's lover so her daddy could be hand again and make all her decisions for her. <laughs> in episode seven. Damon and Rhaenyra have sex at Damon, Damon's wife's Lena's funeral, while Elson's son Aemon gets his eye slashed out by Rhaenyra's son Luke for stealing Lena's dragon that was intended for one of Damon's daughters. Whew! Elson cuts Rhaenyra with the dagger of prophecy out of vengeance, and Rhaenyra stages the death of her husband Lenor so she can marry Damon. On to episode 8, where Corlys's brother Vaemon goes to Kangaroo Court to procreate to proclaim himself rightful ruler of Driftmark instead of Rhaenyra's son, Luke, on the legal technicality of Chia-Ho. <laughs> <laughs> but, but instead of a kangaroo court finding in his favor, King Viserys in one of his final actions delivers a magnificent regal performance, ruling that Vaemon has no grounds to challenge this. Vaemon speaks up and loses his head. Viserys has one final dinner with the fam. Then, on his deathbed, tells Alicent of the Game of Thrones prophecy. In episode 9, Viserys dies, and the Hightower plot to usurp rightful heir Rhaenyra's claim to the throne by installing Alicent's son Aegon, the rightful and maniacal, as king comes into motion. All dissenters are rounded up and imprisoned or killed, and as Aegon is sword-pumping during his coronation, Rhaenys busts through the dragon pit floor, and escapes captivity with her dragon. Oh, yeah. And also, Alicent responds to Laris' send nudes DMs with some well-framed footsies. <laughs> and in the season finale, on the cusp of war, Rhaenyra secured Rhaenys and Corlys' allegiance. But unfortunately, Rhaenyra also showed herself to be ill-prepared and naive diplomatically, and sends her son Luke alone to Storm's End to negotiate with the Baratheons, only for him to be promptly devoured by Aemon's dragon. Prepare for war, buckos! It's time for these dragons to get a dance in. End season one. Nice. Nice. Very good. This episode is brought to you by our season one sponsors. To all you fans out there, when you're out on your Caribbean carousal vacation, and you're forced to decide between wearing your purely protection outerwear to find eating establishment known as Ho's Crab Shack, now with the Beast Beneath Stone Floors, or nestling up on the hotel beachside oasis with your historical affairs book, <laughs> 
at the always beautifully lit fireside gaming table while waiting on your fresh, never foul foods catered meal, just know that you're only a tube of dragon spackle and your state-of-the-art hydrostatic suppression system away from ensuring you'll never bleed out, catch fire, or damage that beautiful, beautiful Boar and Beauty Works Boar Blood Body Wash Exfoliated Skin. <laughs> Because if there's one thing we know about purchasing products from our season one sponsors is that you could not do it better. Back to you, Sesh and Maria. <laughs> that was awesome. Brilliant work right there. <laughs> Cap, um, I wasn't perfect. I think so. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, really, I was upset with legal when we started doing these recaps. I really was. I'm like, why do we need this? But, you know, honestly, legal, legal knows what they're, they're doing. Brilliant. Yeah. I love them. Okay, so our first question of the evening is, what was, in your opinion, the best and worst developed characters in the season? I'm going to start off this one. I, I think King Viserys was definitely the most developed character. His weaknesses and choices, or lack thereof, were consistent and allowed for a deeper, more feeling king to show through as he dealt with debilitating disease. Uh, the love he felt for his daughter that stood the test of time was truly touching. Damon, as I think most will say, is a pretty poorly developed character. However, I would argue he isn't the worst. I would say Aegon's character makes little sense and is going to be a hard character to hate or love or love to hate in the subsequent season because there are just too many holes in his development. Even more than Damon, because one could argue Damon has been trying to be a good guy or of sorts the whole time, but just doing it the wrong way. Aegon is two different characters. One, an immature pothead who just wants to sleep all day and ignore his sister wife. The other, a scheming, sadistic maniac running underworld child fights. Hmm. He fights tooth and nail to not be king, and when he is crowned, he seems to get a kick out of it. After having a dragon almost kill him, I would think he would run for the hills right there uh, instead of just stick behind his mom. That also didn't make sense. That, that is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful <laughs> way to break down Aegon's character in two sentences. <laughs> I'm going to try doing it in one in mine, oh, okay. but, but, but the two sentences were key. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree uh, that, uh, that King Viserys's character had by far the most character progression. Um, on its surface, Viserys is a simple character, uh, just a guy who hates a job that's killing him, wishing he could spend his time philosophizing and seeing everyone getting along and smiling instead of constantly fighting. But the writers gave this character additional depth and showing he could be a good king if only he had the resolve to do so, and just made it seem there was much more there than just a weak fool that burned his kingdom to the ground. Um, and again, uh, this was sort of novel in the series because there weren't a whole ton of well-developed characters, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, just a lot to choose from for, for, for the poorest developed character. As Maria said, Damon certainly fits the bill, as his character progression has been all over the map. Uh, almost like they randomly pull out of a hat each episode how he's going to behave. And in fact, after a full season of watching this show, I still have no idea what actually motivates him or what his character desires. 
Then there's Allison, whose character behaves almost like she's constantly forgetting what happened in the previous episode. So her character progression is more like constant regression back to base state of just being a mouthpiece for whatever father figure is around her that episode. Unless you call a reaching hand and foot disease <laughs> character <Yeah>. development. <laughs> and then there's Aegon, who literally has no backstory other than he's a serial rapist who breeds women for the, purchase, for the purpose of making sure there's always enough children available to participate in the underground baby fight club he established. But I'm going to go with Sir Kristen Cole. Oh. Because the writers made it seem that they wanted to develop this character and give him a backstory, only to basically throw that in the trash so he can just be Allison's thug foot soldier, foot soldier whose motivation is hurting people to do Allison's bidding. You know what? You make a very good point with that, because why spend time on him if that's all it is? He would just be a background character. Yep. Very good point. Yeah. Oh, that almost makes me want to change my answer to him. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, two answers in one, maybe, um, Damon's first wife, <laughs> uh, very, very developed and then very not developed at the same time. <laughs> um, uh, but really though, I, I liked, uh, I actually liked Rainus, uh, the most, so maybe I'm a little biased on that, but she didn't have much of an arc this season. She was already done with it all her husband however over the course of a lot of episodes was warmer to her viewpoints and i really liked that journey for him too um they were both constants and had a lot of loss while staying true to who i felt they were and uh grow closer after their experiences um and then eventually coming to the same conclusions uh, uh king viserys was also very consistent which is like you said a uh, it's refreshing in this show. He didn't have a lot of growth, also similar to what you had said, that he doesn't quite have a whole lot of layers. Um, but he he did change his feelings towards others, which is a form of growth, especially his family, for example, like banishing and welcoming Damon. Uh, I really did feel like he was working through a very long 20-year process of falling apart and dying and wanting to make amends between family, at least, which is a nice sentiment would have been nicer for everyone else if he had set up, you know, order of things in his passing uh, to try to avoid a war instead of just being a little delusional about what he laid out. But, you know, it was kind and uh, as evidenced by a lot of the choices he didn't make, such as marrying his daughter's best friend. He was uh, more than a little blind to others' feelings at times, even if he was well-meaning in his actions. Um, but again, that was something that was consistent and there were areas of growth, even if not, you know, some areas had any change. Uh, by far, uh, I would say the worst are like Damon and Aegon that copying everything you said, like they were just all over the place. I don't know which direction they were going with stuff. Every episode was very different. Um, scene to scenes weren't quite super different but there were still some changes in there where i just didn't see consistency between them yeah yeah well okay so our next question is which point in time do you think the season should have started and ended what do you think jonathan 
Um, so for me, uh, I would have straight up cut the first seven episodes of the season. As looking back, I feel they added almost nothing to the series. In fact, several key plot points, like the Battle of the Stepstones and Damon and Rainer's character arcs, were pretty much reset entirely um, by that point. Uh, plus, you get to skip several of the completely unnecessary graphic birthing and grooming rape scenes, along with all of the time skips. So that's a plus as well. I would have started in episode eight. However, I would have rewritten that episode to focus more on the turmoil within the Targaryen household at the end of Viserys' reign. It's likely a second episode would be necessary here to allow for time to be spent developing each of the major players before all hell breaks loose in episodes nine and 10. But that's where I would have started and added episodes past the finale to continue progressing the story and filling out the 10 episode season. Uh, I think this would have been a much cleaner and tighter show. It would have eliminated the need for multiple time skips and recasting, and it would have allowed for primary focus to be on the A storyline instead of the B, C, and D storyline season one, I felt completely over-presented, almost uh, submerging and, and completely sidetracking that A storyline. Yeah. <laughs> Oi. Uh, gosh, so... I really believe that this season should have started after both Ray Ray and Alicent were already mothers. Mm -hmm. Not only would we have skipped a lot of the boring or meaningless stuff that could have been skipped over or just mentioned in passing with a little quality exposition, uh, but I, I felt we needed and still need more time to get to know all the children and you know the potential heirs in play. I would have liked to have spent more time on Ray Ray and Allison's relationship and the strain and frustration, but maybe even the desire to still be friends come through while also spending more time with um, on, on their own allies and the family relationships they all have. Uh, all of which would have laid out a better groundwork for the battles and personal con conflicts to come. I do feel appreciation for the um, war essentially being started by those around them rather than them themselves uh, being Alison or Ray Ray. Um, I, I felt it ended actually at a really good spot though. Um, like not, not bad for a season one ending for me. Yeah, like both of you of your takes on that. Um, I think the season should have started with the last episode and ended after they explore various kingdoms and how each potential ruler tries to win them over with an ultimate betrayal by one of them ending the season on a cliffhanger. I really think this entire season was a waste of time because it didn't lay much character development down for us. Instead, it felt like a choose your own character game where they really never show us what anyone does, but we can decide for ourselves which kind of character each person is and go with that. A little frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so um, our question, our next question is, who is the villain of the season? Mwahaha. I would say Alicent is the villain. Sadly, if anything was accomplished this season, it was watching the evolution of a villain in Alicent's growth. Her reaction to being betrayed or lied to is to hold a grudge and let murderers run amok. She allows for all kinds of bad behavior under her leadership, including from her sons, and just turns a blind eye. Well, lack of action does not mean innocence. Um, she is the queen and allows her father to take control and arrest people, when she could literally command the knights to put her dad in jail and make the better decisions for the kingdom. 
she plays the victim because she doesn't have the guts to admit she wanted Rhaenyra's lover to die. She wanted her son on the throne. She wants all these things to happen just without her feeling guilty for it. That is a villain, just a passive villain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, terrific points made. Um, and I think one that I know I've been harping on all season yeah. with, uh, with, with Elson's character, you know, sometimes doing nothing is doing something. And uh, she wasn't quite doing nothing either. But uh, for villain, for me, would, would it be cheating if I said that shirking responsibility or not doing your job is the villain of season one? <laughs> I, I know it's a little sketchy here, but, um, you know, we start with, uh, with Viserys, who does everything he can to not make decisions as king and just be a normal guy. And it results with him mudding the line of succession and fracturing his kingdom. You know, we have Rhaenyra, who thumbs her nose at strengthening her hold on the throne through marriage and children, ultimately leading to her getting usurped. And we have her refusal to take any action against the treasonous high towers or Otto's warning of bloodshed, leading to her losing her son, Luke. We have Otto shirking his responsibilities to the kingdom in favor of his own deceitful desires. And we have Elsons who refuses to act the part of queen, instead ceding all authority to her duplicitous father and the deplorable Laris. House of the Dragon shows a society in which nobody takes any responsibility for their actions and selfishly puts themselves and their own desires above even the most basic necessities for the kingdom. And how that only ends in downfall and bloodshed. That said, if you're talking about true season one villain, true villain, it'd be Otto Hightower. However, Alison Hightower is not only ceding to every part of Otto's plan, but also taking an active role in it, as well as her willingness to step into an arrangement with Laris, both before and after he killed the hand and Rhaenyra's lover, uh, for her, probably makes her even more villainous in this story. Um, and I'm thinking we will see that in the second season. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm convinced it's, uh, it's Allison. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm now convinced. Um, no, but uh, I would say the showrunners. <laughs> <Yay! laughs> uh, like this, I mean, as much as you do bring up very good points with Allison, I feel like this season has no main villain mm -hmm. they had like some baddies like like her but like no actual villain like damon does bad things and has some terrible methods but we know he cares for our main character and is her ally um and even is the king's ally too and we are made to believe that these are our main protagonists um allison is just clueless or complacent in everything and does nothing conniving or actionable um on her own that drives the plot really so it's hard to call her main villain because she's just there watching everything <laughs> happen um i also think it's possible at one point she'll just say screw everyone she's just going to uh not fight for the throne anymore and they could just walk away like she <laughs> I, I think i suspect like that's in her that she wants to do that um which again isn't great for a villain um <laughs> for what this uh conflict is um her dad is just selfish but is sitting exactly where he wants uh 
to uh to be for most of the show like as the hand like he's not trying to actually sit on the throne himself he's in the position where he gets to do it and the king's more of a you know figurehead as it is which is exactly what he wants um but yeah like it's his whole plot was it's literally just not a surprise at all it was a constant open secret to us the audience and pretty much all of the characters too so nobody was working against him really um Aegon the Brat King isn't even in half of the show and doesn't do anything to any main characters he's just there Crabfeeder was a nobody in the end there's a lot of antagonistic characters but no like through person like no through person as a as a baddie to me in this series these are really good points yeah do you think uh that if they made Otto um, less blatant and a little bit more behind the scenes that, that that would have significantly helped season one? Or do you think that really uh, that would have helped a little bit, but mainly just how season one was even written, it, it, it just wouldn't have helped too much? I mean, I just don't know how relevant he is because it's just set up from the beginning. There's a bunch of people that are just not going to settle for Ray Ray being, you know, the ruler already so like there there wasn't anything he even had to do like he could have just been changed out with any other character and like yep that's just what other characters think as well like it's he doesn't feel like he's like the leader of this coup or anything you know yeah Yeah. this movement whatever (laughs) it's kind of interesting that he wanted to make so many decisions and yet even with a passive king couldn't have influenced like, by the time you can't influence a guy that doesn't even want to be ruling, what makes you think you can influence everybody else? It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. It's very weird. So our next question of the night is, if you were one of the directors of this season, which episode uh, would you have wanted to have directed? I'll start with this one. If I had control over the story, I would <laughs> choose the first episode um, I wouldn't have made his wife's dialogue so on the nose about her upcoming birth with Renera and Viserys. Instead, I would have had a scene where Renera and Emma, a- Emma, Emma, yeah. Emma, are humiliated in front of Viserys for one being a girl and two being a mother to only a girl. Uh, Renera would get frustrated by this and attempt to talk back, but her mother holds her back and shows her that wisdom is lost on fools. As Viserys looks on. I would have Emma be the one to tell Renera about the Song of Ice and Fire, if that's like the mm. guiding thing for her. But in a way that felt more weighty, like adding more to it than just that threat, but a, a warning about icy hearts and a message about what rulership really is. So that when Renera later holds on to that, it is more touching because it came from her as her mom's last message. In that way, it would have shown that her mother had a big effect on her and how she will rule which in my mind gives a feeling that women are more empowered as is the general theme of the show. Wow. Um, I would also have liked to see Renera fight to be in or near the birthing room, but her mother insists she go to the jousting. Then she begs her dad and makes him promise to do right by her. So when he does make the decision to kill her in favor of the son, um, it is that much more wounding to their relationship. This drives Viserys' desire Viserys' desire stronger to make things right by his daughter in the future. As for the birthing scene, I would definitely have not shown it the way it was done. I would have made it really look like she could have survived if he chose to tell the maesters to save her life 
and get rid of the baby so that when he does choose to risk her life, it is that much more gut-wrenching. I think maybe one scene where the maester does one dramatic cut and showing a great loss of blood, been cut away, that's all that's necessary. Wow. Can yeah. you tell that uh, <laughs> that Maria here has won some awards no, as a writer <laughs> and director? That was that yes. was absolutely superb. Oh, and I would definitely have signed up to watch that show. I would absolutely watch that. Those are some fantastic changes, and they're subtle enough and keep the main plot of what we got for the first episode, but add so much. Yeah, that's that would be fantastic. Um, yes, directing one like that would be excellent yeah. with a good script behind it like that. Um, <laughs> uh, my, my thoughts were also directing the first op opening, but mm -hmm. if we could have started the season um, with how I had preferred entirely with the plot um with opening the season um where we uh lay down the foundation and with quick bite-sized mouthfuls of who each of these characters were and their relationships to each other um and a more dynamic time in the storyline again after birth both of our main girls um are mothers mm -hmm. i i love what you your idea for the story i think that would be definitely better but if it were me directing just the first one uh i would have liked to see that um i would have i would speak a bit more on this and some of the other things i would have done overall in another question but in short i think a lot more could have been established with subtlety and a little more interactions with um characters instead of like say oh big jousting tournament and aggressive medieval birthing scene that leads to a highly <laughs> foreshadow and foreshadowed and predictable death. Yeah, a mother's message would have been absolutely wonderful, especially since I think as a life lesson, that would have actually made the excuse of using the thing I hate, which is that <laughs> the, old, the old dream, you know, premonition, it would have actually made it, so hearing it multiple times and giving it meaning would have actually given it meaning <laughs> instead of just being this thing thrown at their faces. Yeah, no, great stuff as well, Seth. Yeah. Uh, you guys, you guys, you guys handle this question. Um, so for me, yeah, episode one, I chewed it in the dark the whole episode. <laughs> no, I, um, you're on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for uh, maybe hear dragon screeching in the background, you know, um, and and just birthing scenes every five minutes. That's that's the whole episode, and uh, you know, perfect, bam. <laughs> 18, 18, this, 18 million. Dragon and a woman give birth at the same time. Oh. <laughs> you know, this is why I'd hire you guys on to my writing team. You know, 18, 18 million, million fans can't be wrong. So, um, no, no. Um, I actually went in a different direction. So this is good. People will hear a little bit different. Uh, for me, I definitely would have wanted to take a crack at episode three, which is the Battle of the Stepstones. First off, after reading the script, I'd say, what in the hell are we doing? Spending a full hour on this royal hunt that goes absolutely nowhere and only five minutes on the Battle of the Stepstones. You know, the thing people actually want to see. Also, where's the crab feeder Damon fight scene? I think someone accidentally forgot to staple those pages to the script. Can you please get those on there? I think there was a collating issue. 
you know, I then use my power as director, uh, because I think this is what directors do, to force the writers to trim down the royal hunt to 10 minutes at most, and then use the rest of the time to focus on the Battle of the Stepstones, working with medieval military historians to create a unique battle featuring an army attempting to overtake a fortified and deeply entrenched guerrilla army. Um, I would make this the bloody affair it deserved, featuring a last gasp attempt by Damon, Corliss, and Vayman to take the Stepstones, sending wave upon wave to lure out enemies to get them in dragon range with heavy losses on both sides, and end the episode with Damon finally breaking through the line of defense to go up against the Crab Feeder in a mano a mano battle, viewers would still be talking about to this day. <laughs> I feature the crab feeder using a highly aggressive, animalistic, dual hammer wielding technique mixed with aspects of parkour. <laughs> you know, so a super fast, super crab athletic, <laughs> yeah, whirling dervish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keeping Damon constantly on the defensive, trying to keep both from getting struck by, uh, trying to keep uh, Damon from getting struck by the hammers but also making sure he isn't within arm's reach to be touched by the grayscale. Damon would be on the rope several times, even perhaps being forced to abandon his sword. Climaxing and Damon finding a brief moment for counterattack and making an athletic move of his own, cracking the crab feeder's shell and taking <laughs> his head Highlander style. Lightning strikes and dragon fire in the background and arousing loot and harpsichord rendition of I am immortal. <laughs> I have inside me blood of kings. Just playing us out in the credits. Yeah, yeah, it'd have been epic. Yeah, yeah. That is awesome. I am imagining that that crab just like spinning around. That that is great. <laughs> Dragon, right? <laughs> Episode three. Episode you three. It. You killed it. Oh, that, thank you. That was thank amazing. <laughs> that was great. Exciting. You got it. I'm, I'm for that. <laughs> luckily, luckily, I, I'd, I'd have it all filmed on my little cardboard camera. And I'd be like, oh, this is wonderful. And everything would be little little felt puppets, you know, miniatures. But it'd be great. McLeod. Okay, number five. <laughs> if you were asked to be the showrunner for House of the Dragon and given loads of monies to do a preseason, knowing that the scripts are and uh, very little time to rewrite, would you take the job? Ooh. Uh, let's see. Sesh? Oh, here we go. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, let's like place for just a second. <laughs> I looked away because I'm opening my soda. So I'm not just, just the soda. Um, let's see. So, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I don't, I don't blame them at all for uh, accepting the job. Um, I just blame them for the lack of focus and the rush job story they told just so they could get to the first real season. Um, speaking of lack of focus, my soda, of course. Um, so I really can't blame them, but, um, the, the world really is very rich. And even though they know where the characters are going and their fates, it's, it somehow felt like they lost sight of that with a lot of the characters and the plot points they chose to spend time on. Uh, the the world is um, they, like 
the the kingdoms let me see um i i would have spent more time on establishing the world um we know the landmarks and we know the territories and the kingdoms and all of that but like we don't know the politics of this era or why things are like more sexist than they are in the future um and like also with the only remnants of Val- uh, valerians existing in game of thrones i would have really love to have spent more time with them and their culture and their ways like i want to see the secrets to making valerian steel um and it, that gets lost in the ages like this is really it was a warless and like minor conflict era that they're focusing on and they spent so much time in that without giving us a lot else of what was going on in the world i really would have loved to dive more into uh the characters and establish their goals and relationships between like each other better uh finding more of the personal conflicts within you know the closer family units and the complicated relationships like it could have really made things emotionally powerful if more of the characters cared about well more of the characters oh <laughs> <laughs> like, no what eventually becomes like the opposing sides of the war yeah you brought bring up an interesting topic that um with the sexism you know it's funny that their value system is all like, oh, no, we can't have a woman ruler. Yet they still allow women to ride dragons. You would think that would be like, no, we can't have them have that kind of power because then they could maybe potentially rule. Uh, that seems like a little bit of a mismatch. Oversight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't like I don't get that, you know, that this era being more sexist had anything is going to have anything to do with anything. Like, I don't think they're going to actually have a point to tell about it. And there's a lot of things like that. I'm just like, why are you focusing on this thing? Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I would foolishly take the job because, wow, uh, what an opportunity. Uh, However, I think I would have drilled down exactly what I could and couldn't get away with (laughs) (laughs) time-wise with a desired quick turnaround. So, I mean, I would lay out a Bible for the writer's room and the directors to show them the big picture important elements that have to be in the show. Uh, Firstly, a detailed breakdown of the character arcs, breakdown of each character's desire and weakness and how they each go after their goals and analyze the A, then B, then C elements of the story pretty clearly. After that, I would have a meeting to see what exactly is important information building up to season two and what is not as important and go from there. I think knowing that information would have prevented me from doing a ton of time skips because instead of necessarily focusing on events, I'm focusing on how to reveal each character's desire and weakness along with how they clash with each other. And that can be told more succinctly. Uh, I think they were trying to focus on the genesis of some of the characters' desires, but it felt flat to me because the genesis of many of these characters' desires are not really that earth shattering. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really, really, really basic characters, and and that, you know, I'd say it seems like that would make it easy, but in some ways it does make it harder because you have to figure out a way to to give them depth, and if you don't spend the time doing that, or writing it out, or giving them motivations, it, like things start falling flat in a hurry. So for me. I, I think it would be one of those things where you say, yes, of course, <laughs> right away, HBO sirs. <laughs> then, then you start making ka-ching, ka-ching <laughs> sounds and playing, all I do is win, 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 <laughs> you know, for, for an hour, followed by excitedly calling everyone you know, saying you hit it big. 
called that one teacher you had who said you'd never amount to anything just to ask them if seven figures qualifies as, as an amount. You know, you know, all of those super professional stuff uh, that, that, that you do. And then the scripts would arrive. And that reality of impending doom would just sink in hard. <laughs> you know, the first the first thing I would do is I'd separate out the major characters and necessary minor characters and get the character sheets created for them. All other characters I put in the pile next to the trash heap. You know, if you need them, they're there. If somebody knocks them over, no big loss. I then work with the round table uh, to figure out uh, what story we want to tell in this one season prequel with these yeah. characters yeah. and come up with the path such that they can be properly developed. Yeah. And then I work day and night, since we're so little time, <laughs> with the writer's room to rewrite the scripts to match that in what little time we have. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Nobody is leaving. Uh, you know, You'd be allowed, you'd be allowed, you know, one night of sleep, but three, three full days of being awake between, between those, you know, that's, that's about it. Uh, you know, I, I ultimately, this is just me looking at it. I'd likely focus on clashing Alison Otto and her children's motivational drivers against Rhaenyra, Lenor, Lord Commander Strong and their children's motivational drivers. Uh, set in the incompetent and dying Viserys's court, and then use director privilege to shift the Battle of the Stepstones timeline forward, uh, such that I can highlight uh, Damon's character and the Valerians, as well as giving the Stepstones their due as a strategic position that will be used all throughout the coming war, um, as well as making it a major point of dissension between Queen Alicent and Princess Rhaenyra in small council meetings where they start going at each other's throats a bit more and it starts spreading down to the children who are who are told things. Um, and uh, I do think season one for me would end similarly to this one with the king dying, the high towers taking over the throne and the death of Luke as both camps rush to get allies. Um, I would have Alicent uh, being more nefarious and self-acting, I honestly, I think it does no favors to her character whatsoever to just be so weak and passive. Like she feels like it doesn't even feel like she's unempowered. It feels like she's actively trying to 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 be unempowered. So I would empower her a bit more. It just wouldn't necessarily be nice. Um, I'd have uh, Rhaenyra be more uh, hard-nosed and rebellious, uh, actually much like she was in her youth. I'd, mm -hmm. I'd keep that more even up to her uh, adulthood because it would show more of that conflict between Rhaenyra and Alicent. Like maybe she'd be needling her. Maybe she'd really be poking her with, yeah. with certain things. Um, Otto, to me, he'd be less obvious. And uh, Damon, I would uh, make him a vindictive, loose cannon in, in my version. Mm -hmm. I'd basically be anybody who slights him, he's basically going to go and, and just absolutely kill, mm -hmm. you know? And you just don't want to be within his... Uh, kind of uh, range. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that would, be, uh, that would be my thought on that one. That's really good. That's really yes, good. Oh, thank you. Great show. <laughs>
Uh-huh. You redid it for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> that was wonderful. <laughs> now get in the writing room. <laughs> 72 hours straight. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Um, maybe before we get to the awards, let's uh-huh. check out if we have any oh, yeah, yeah. any uh, viewer yeah. comments. Yes. So going back, we have Barry UNLV. He is stating... Yay, he loves the recap. Didn't know that there would be one, so he's super excited. So that is good. He also laughed at the Hammond foot disease joke. Yeah, <laughs> that gets him every time. Um, uh, so he also said, I wish they put more emphasis on how uncomfortable the dragons can be and made the villain somehow. Yeah, oh, that you know, that actually is an excellent, excellent take there. Like, they could have showed, like, why dragons aren't uh, such a major part anymore in the show and that the uh, the characters, uh, the, the people, they no longer have the strength or will to control them anymore and mm-hmm. become more wild. I, I really like that idea. That's that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. So fun. Yeah, yeah, he, he agrees. It's just weird that all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, uh, both of the dragons, they didn't listen to, to their owners. They just did their, their own thing. Even their character development sucked. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry, CGI dragons. That is unfortunate. All right, so that's that's all for now. Um, we go to uh, to the awards. The awards, the much-awaited and anticipated awards. <laughs> First award, best birth scene. Let's see what we uh, decide that. Um, let's begin with uh, Sesh. What was your best birth scene? Uh, I would actually say maybe Lena's birth was, uh, I felt the best done. Mm-hmm. It wasn't over the top violent, which, uh, or two others were, and, uh, <laughs> you know, they all resulted in death. Um, so, <laughs> so many things to gauge on. Um, she had agency for it though, and grace and strength, and we really didn't know her well at all, but it felt sad to see her, you know, begging her dragon to take her out of the world in a way of her own choosing. Good, good. My uh, my best birth scene was actually Rhaenyra's last birth with the intercut dragon screams. Of course, of course. <laughs> While ridiculous, the choices made in Aftermath frustrated me the least of all the birth scenes. That's how I gauge it. How <laughs> I frustrated the least. So, so with okay. the inner, okay, that's fair. <laughs> would the intercut dragons then get the award for best birth scene supporting characters? Uh, uh, best maesters, possibly. Oh, yes. oh, best maesters. Yeah, probably true. Yeah, they're the only ones who saved the uh, saved the mother, right? So, yeah, sure. Give them their rings. Yeah, yeah. Can I say none of them? Is, is, is that valid? I would not give an award. No. Um, so since we have to give out an award, I mean, we're, we're obliged at this point. Uh, if I had to pick one, I guess I'd say Lena's because in my own mind, I've decided that scene ends with a baby bursting out of her dragon flame skeleton dancing the can-can down the moon in Firelit Beach. <laughs> I wish that, that was one thing so more than cool. anything I wish in this show and didn't happen. 
So it, it looks like best birth scene goes to Lena's birth, as we are voted two to one. Good, good, good job, Lena. Good job. Way to die. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right, let's go to our next award, which is uh, Best Expositor. Uh, Jonathan, you want to start us off with that one? Oh, there <laughs> are a lot of good options here. I mean, uh, they really, they really exposited hard this season. <laughs> um, you know, you have Viserys early. I mean, he was ex uh, an exposition machine, you know? You have Damon at times, but... Who does it come down to? For me, my nominee mm -hmm. is Otto. Uh, he exposits with the best of them. Um, now it's true, it could just be his character being that rash and forward, saying exactly what he's thinking at all times. Yeah. The sad part is, that's actually exposition. But you know, hey, I'm going with Otto. Okay. All right, so let's see our... Uh... <clears throat> Mine would be Laris. He mm. just does not have a subtle bone in his body, and it irritates me every time I see him. That that wearing green comment uh, that that is <laughs> that 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 does Classic. start pushing it over the uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that that tips the iceberg a little bit. What what <laughs> what what you got, Sash? I forgot about that. I'm actually officially changing my answer to him. <laughs> Laris wins. <laughs> so on the nose. It's just <laughs> deservedly so. It's, it's it's yeah. He's completely he's so on the nose. He loves to just explain everything to everyone. I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess that's good manipulation but yeah it's it's him <laughs> yeah yeah well deserved well good deserved job. good job Laris. good job so our next award goes for most memorable character uh sesh do you want to us off yeah again my bias comes through i'm a Reina's fan busting through the floor <laughs> with your dragon like she did is memorable just on its own uh she was graceful clever and caring while also not taking any flack from anyone throughout the whole season. Yeah. <laughs> she was a class act. That is very true. Um, mine is, well, it's Luke. Bless oh. his soul. He tried and got killed for trying to be there for his family. He's like, I just, I'll never forget Luke. Oh, that is, that is sweet. For, <laughs> for me, uh, it's got to be King Viserys. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just the most well-rounded character. Um, he had some great moments near the end of his life. Uh, plus, there's at least a 10% chance he's not actually dead or comes back as a mummy next season. So, you know, he's got staying power, possibly. <laughs> well, that's a split vote, but I, I, I would lean for King Viserys because he he had a great uh, a great arc and, and and a great death and he he did it he did a great job. Uh, that brings us to best actor. Can we start us off. Yeah, I mean there have really been some good ones in this series. Uh, Patty Considine has been a treat um, as King Viserys, and I've really liked uh, Steve Toussaint as uh, Corliss. Um, uh, a lot in the scenes he's been in, though, they sadly have been few and far between. Like, 
he just emotes really well in, in certain areas that, uh, that are amazing because the lines that he gets are, are pretty tough to work with. So um, I give him a lot of credit. Uh, however, just due to the bulk of the scenes, I will give Patty Considine the nod for just a terrific final act as character that was emotional, complex, and gave body uh, to a script that had major dialogue issues at times. One final thing, though. That all said, I do want to give a special nod to Millie Alcock as young Rhaenyra. I thought she had the right amounts of energy, moxie, rebelliousness, and emotion throughout her episodes, and I think she definitely kept her character from falling flat, which is something a lesser actor would have done with the same script, in my opinion. So I feel she really does deserve some uh, some recognition here. I think if they wrote her dialogue and script a little better, I would have uh, chosen her because I think she was definitely one of the best uh, uh, best actors thus far. Nice. Yeah, I agree with you on, on that. Um, for my best actor, definitely Patty Considine. His emotion for his family and the struggle of his life was beautifully done from beginning to end. Yep, I'm going to give it to King Patty as well. He had his episode <laughs> where he finally passes and he completely stole the show with it. Most of the acting for everyone, I would say, is good, but nobody really, really stole a scene like he was able to in that episode. Congratulations, Patty. <laughs> Our next uh, award goes to Best Dragon. Does you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, Damon's, I'll say. Uh, uh, Sarax it is. Um, I, I forget the exact pronunciation on it. Um, I like the lanky boy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the characterization, right? That's <laughs> the dragon. We haven't seen them a whole lot. <laughs> Mine, uh, mine is uh, Malus or the Red Queen. Uh, Rhaenyra's dragon, uh, Rhaenys's dragon, sorry, had restraint and class, listened to her owner after being mistreated, and did what was necessary to send a message without eating anyone. Go, Malus. <laughs> so, uh, for me, you know, some people might say Aemon's dragon, Vagar. He's big, he eats other dragons and the riders spits hot fire, and kills major characters on screen. But only one dragon busts through stone floors and kills hundreds just by flying, and that's Maylis, yeah. Rhaenys' dragon, the Red Queen. Hallowed be her name. <laughs> so congrats, Maylis. You can stop by the studio anytime, pick up your award. Just don't light us on fire. Yeah, try not to. Not by dragon, please. <laughs> So our uh, our next award is um, most sympathetic character. Um, I feel for Helena Targaryen. No one talks to her. Her mother hates her. She was forced to marry her brother who treats her like crap. I mean, she basically has to raise her kids without a caring father or grandparents that care about them or her at all. And she has an incredible ability to tell the future and no one cares. Oh, you're right. You're right. She is. She she's very sympathetic. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I, I would put her on my list as well. Um, you know, the one and only daughter. She's just a poor weird girl and very ignored, completely sidelined. Um, the Valerian girls come to mind as well for just 
being sidelined, ignored, and they are going through some weird times as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I went in a different direction here. Uh, for me, it is former hand Lionel Strong. You know, all he does is show up at the council each day wanting to do what's best for the kingdom. He gives great advice to the king, the only one, by the way, and he does his best to be a good parent despite having one kid who is an absolute menace to society <laughs> and pervert and another who breaks his vows to have an illegal tryst with the princess, resulting in three bastard children further helping to legitimize the crown. He even tries resigning from his own prominent position to deal with those family issues and avoid a possible conflict of interest. And what does he get for it? Burned alive with his son by his other son's uh, command. That's very sad. I mean, poor Lionel Strong. He just, he just he tried. <laughs> you make a really good point there. That That is really sad. <laughs> Very correct on all of that. This yeah. is factual. That said, he didn't have to marry his brother. Yes. So we don't. We don't know who's, who's, who's a serial who's a serial rapist. Oh god. That's so sad. Who who do we want to give it to? Let's all all of them. Tie tie. Yeah yeah. Tie. <laughs> Split the award. Award goes for best parent. Who is the best parent? So she wants to start us off. <laughs> I do because this one I feel like I have a very clear answer, and I don't think there's there's any real comparison. Uh, I will actually say Rainus. I'm fangirling once again. Um, uh, she's um, like her and her husband. I mean, more so her. She she's at least aware when she's putting um, her children in harm's way. None of the other parents seem to even consider that in their power grab agendas. And also, none of her kids turned out to be weirdos, bullies, or worse. That's a very yeah, good that's point. actually a good point, that last part. That's yeah, solid. Yeah. That's solid. Um, up until she burned herself and her unborn child, um, <laughs> I would have said Lena Valerian. I, she seemed to really care about her children and where they grew up. Uh, she had empathy for them and worried about their well-being. They seem like well-mannered, sweet girls, and that is definitely not from Damon's raising them. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the <laughs> yeah, the self uh, self self burning uh, <laughs> probably wasn't the best for her. But um, you know, if you know you're gonna die, I guess uh, might as go out. Some way. Um, for me, uh, Arenas appears to love her kids and grandkids and uh, has a very strong desire to protect them. But we really don't see her spending much time with them on the show. Like, we really haven't seen much of a scene between them where they're talking, her giving advice, her being protective. Come to think of it, there is only one actual positive parental action we've seen on this show other than uh, other than Lena. And that is Hand Lionel Strong pulling his son, <laughs> Harwin, aside to try coaching him on inappropriate behavior and its consequences, and then falling through to offer up his own position and standing with the king to deal with that family issue. Yes, he has a truly terrible kid in Laris. But 
it doesn't seem to be for lack of a good parent. In fact, I think Laris even said he was a great parent. Just that Laris thinks he's too moral and ethical. That's so sad. Yeah, so so for me, I'm going with uh, the late Lionel Strong. Fat lot of good it did for him, though. And uh, really, uh, that point with Rainus having good children is is, is, is a deal breaker it, for me. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a good one. Um, I, I, he waited until he had three kids by the princess to have a discussion. Just Seriously. Like, maybe he didn't know. Maybe he didn't know. <laughs> he assumed his son was moral and ethical. That's so sad. Seriously, does it bother anyone else that, like, um, Allison is a brunette and she doesn't have brunette children? There's one brunette parrot and then one blonde parrot. And then, oh, for Ray Ray, they come out brunette. Like, I know. come on. Unfair. So, so I agree from a genetic standpoint. However, <laughs> it was—I I will say—it was established in Game of the in Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. Yeah, Game of the Thrones. Yes, <laughs> it was established in Game of Thrones um, that often the characteristics of the child take after the yeah. the father in this series. So. Um, it's still annoying, it is annoying. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean that that can happen, but you know, just like what are the odds? Like every single time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not even a little. Not even a little white hair. Like, That's like what six, seven children. That's a lot. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. Our final question of the night: ratings, and would you watch the next season? All right, I'm going to start. I gave this overall season a 4.5. The points are given um, mainly for the amazing work, the costuming, cinematography, musical scoring, and some of the actors' performances uh, have done. However, it was all dressed around a broken skeleton of a story. Yes, I would because I I would watch the show continuously because I want to see how they handle an intended season since they really didn't plan for this to be a true season. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I will, I will give the show one more season of watching, although my hopes are not that high. I would, it would have, uh, I would have, uh, it would have been nice to um, going into the season with them saying, just kidding. This isn't mm-hmm. a, a real first season. This is just a prequel to the prequel. Everyone calm down. <laughs> Uh, and then not saying that until so late into the season where it almost felt like it was them making excuses for the missteps mm-hmm. they made uh, does not give me confidence. Uh, but I will go into the next season knowing where things stand and with higher expectations um, for that aspect of it. Um, and as much as I, I think they fumbled the ball in this, I saw glimpses of good stuff like the good old Game of Thrones days where I hope given the right focus, they can really bring out the best of the story and characters. Uh, overall, I feel like this show was almost all right. <laughs> um, there was, there was a lot of bad and some good. It wasn't really like 50, 50, like not every episode was okay. Um, some were actually bad. Um, and uh, as, aside from like the sets, wardrobe, acting overall, um, I, I think I'm going to agree with Maria and land somewhere between a four and a five. 
Yeah, that's interesting that 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 you brought that up in terms of them uh, going ahead and making excuses for for missteps. Because the most interesting thing about this is this show has not been getting a lot of criticism. In fact, it's been getting a ton of love um, by most reviewers. So it's interesting they would even bring something like this up unless, who knows, in our viewing audience, are any of you the showrunners to uh, <laughs> House of the Dragon? Like, like, we do seem to be one of the few groups of people out there who were looking at this show and just not, not really seeing it. Um, so, and again, it's not because of any agency or bias. Like, pretty much all the shows we've done, we've universally liked. This has just been, well, an absolute mess um, when it comes to character development and motivations, dialogue, plot, timeline. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say, like, I have to say the good things too, of course. It, it had terrific cinematography. Scoring and costuming, those were fantastic. And there were some really well-directed scenes. But to me, and it sounds like all of us, it simply came off as window dressing for a show that had major failings. It's extraordinarily difficult for me to properly rate this show, especially since the news broke that this season was actually never initially intended to be made and was only thrown together when HBO offered to fund an additional season as prequel. So on the one hand, you want to rate this as you would any new show. But on the other hand, there is a part of me that just wants to throw out this season entirely, as it isn't actually representative of the show according to what the showrunners are saying. So I, I just don't know what to say here. If I didn't know that this was a Game of Thrones prequel, and rating this as a standalone, I'd say that compared to other new shows, I'd rate season one of House of the Dragon a four out of 10. And I'd say it's a show that does have some promise as a story, but unfortunately falls well short to the point that it's surprising it was picked up without significant rework uh, of the uh, of the scripts. And for me, I, I'd no longer be watching um, because of that, because I wouldn't expect there to be any real improvements on it. But based on the additional info that it's a prequel to Game of Thrones and this season one wasn't actually planned to be part of the show, I, I am willing to just throw out my rating and watch season two so I can properly evaluate and rate this show in the manner it was supposed to be watched, much like uh, uh, both Maria and Sesh said. You know, that said, th this show is, is on very thin ice with me. Um, and... Uh, for me, it does not get any additional excuses after this. Like, if they lay an egg to start out, out season two, uh, it, to me, it's on that. And, and I'm almost certainly not watching anymore after that. Uh, this season was tough uh, for me to watch as a viewer. And if season two is just more of the same, I just yeesh. Like, I can't watch a story that has very little plot with very little character development with not good dialogue, plain and simple. I don't care how good the uh, the cinematography and, and directing is. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's, um, sometimes it takes a little longer for seasons or shows or um, IPs uh, to get to this point, but I really feel like they're kind of just writing the coattails of the fandom rather than making anything that's, you know, the quality of what the fans 
originally like like right now like yeah it has a lot of viewers um but it's i know it's just it's not the same numbers as game of thrones was it's not close there's not enough people that care about it there's not enough people talking about it there's not enough people that it could reach like the first show did Uh, so 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 the more silent people are are skipping out maybe Mm -hmm. i think so yeah i think people just really aren't watching it like they were game of thrones like it's really the the bigger fans that are watching it are like the people who do podcasts on the entire <laughs> show. <laughs> uh, anyone have have ratings for them for season one? Throwing out ratings. Let's look at the comments, the viewership. It seems like we might have depressed them based off of our <laughs> reviews for this show. <laughs> they're gonna have to have to have to go off and be like man i'm watching a four out of ten show it's uh, it's not great so um all right well we won't put you guys on the uh uh on the spot there so i'll say though it's okay if you like it it's just yeah. it's just okay to have you know i think there are lots of areas in this that were just not our thing or why we liked game of thrones originally but yeah. you know some people's yucks are others yums and vice versa very true yeah and i mean again um the point of this show is to try taking it from more a um uh, uh, director and directorial cinematography writing dialogue sort of uh, sort of viewpoint versus say a pure fan viewpoint which might be a uh, oh wow look at this they're remaking you know house of the dragon and it, it contains all these characters who i liked and wanted to read about and find out more about. So it is a slightly different take than 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 most people as well. And mm-hmm. you know, if you like the Game of Thrones universe, if you like the characters, if you like, you know, the houses, that's probably going to fall into your um uh your ratings as well. And mm-hmm. so I would imagine that would get uh, you a little bit higher. I mean like with us, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we're all not book readers of this series no right 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 so yeah so it's you know it's a, the the fandom hits a little different for us and they need to cast maybe a wider net in some areas that didn't quite catch us yes uh also uh we did get one one uh, last second rating in here so uh we have bear who gives this a six out of 10. Wow. Uh, he loved the last three uh, episodes and he thinks that that redeemed uh, the show uh, in some degree. Uh, and I think that's fair. I mean, those last three episodes were definitely a, a marked improvement from, uh, from, from the previous uh, seven. For me, episode 10 did not fall right with me at all, but uh, eight and nine I thought were actually very good. I enjoyed seven and I did not hate nine. So for me, it was, uh, yeah, like I, I think it was good to finally have those episodes that were good episodes. Like I was waiting for those maybe longer than I wanted to wait, but it was good to actually have them. All right. Well, it is that time. Um, before we get to that outro though, we are announcing there has been you know, we announced that we're going to cover The Witcher. And they just went crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, man. You know, Henry Cavill, he's, he's one of our listeners, for viewers of the podcast. And, and he's like, I cannot have these guys skewer me 
on my show, so I I'm out. Just so you think about walking away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let Liam Hemsworth deal with these with these people. Um, so you know that's that's the only thing I can assume. Um, but uh, is amazing. This is going to be a perfect time to rewatch for me or to get into it and see where it goes. Yes. So we are going forward with it. Listen, fans, if, if you start shanking each other in the streets over this, please don't. Please don't. You know, we have enough reviews to keep you satiated, you know, keep you keep you angry, but inside, you know, and, and indoors while listening, you know, possibly possibly double viewing, you know, double liking, uh, and uh, we'll go from there. But that's what we're doing. The Witcher, episode one, season one, will be our next episode next week. So thank you all so much for joining us, watching to the end. We, again, we really appreciate your support, and then hopefully we brought you some some good insight and uh, and laughs too tonight because laughing is important. Indeed. Much like those four girls who took all the Halloween candy from our doorstep. <laughs> Five <laughs> bags everyone. worth. Well, we tossed a coin to the witcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a mistake on our part and we have learned our lesson. Um, and again, expect some mischief. Yeah, yeah. And just like we supported them and their candy eating habits, it's your support that makes all of this worth it. Um, if you uh, if you like this show, please share, uh, subscribe, like, heart, do all of those likey things. And if you hated this show, you make sure to watch this show twice. Because we got metrics in place for that, and that will show us how much contempt you have for us. And we will take that, and we will make sure that we make these shows better for you in the future. So just keep watching, keep double liking, and we'll we'll get there. I promise you. Um, our next episode, season one, episode one, The Witcher, will be on Monday. November 7th at 8 p.m. Pacific time, 11 p.m. Eastern. So looking forward to seeing you then where we will be reviewing that episode. And until next time. Toss a coin to your witcher. Oh, Melly, you plenty. <laughs> we got to work on that. <laughs> We're not singing. <laughs> Could you do it better? <laughs> thank you all thank you all good night happy season one happy halloween all right <laughs> Yay.